What's up, guys? Roy here, and you are listening to the Balanced Mail podcast series. It's interesting when you create something like this, a space of, you know, of talking and communicating, and you give it a title called The Balanced Mail, and you begin talking about stories of, you know, finding balance in your life and you know, in the beginning, it was like all I was really talking about was sort of just fatherhood and finding balance and grief and this stuff. And, you know, as, as the years have gone on doing this, you know, the, the story of, you know, my story of religion and the church and these things come up and I talk about God and you know, my views and my takes on things. And, you know, I keep thinking about, like, you know, for me, like, where where does this fit in in this podcast? And I think I always go back to sort of the beginning and talking about things that I'm always engaged with to help me find balance. And I think, you know, for for us... You know, sometimes things need more space in our lives than other things. And for me, specifically, talking about the church, talking about what I'm learning and and, and growing in with regards to my spirituality and my faith, have taken a lot of, of space because I think it's needed because when you go through things like toxic churches or you have this hurt and this pain, you know, you, you have to deal with it. You can't just stuff it down and pretend it's not there. Um, because it things like this always like sort of eke into every facet of my life. And so, you know, I've got to, I've got to give it space, talk about it, heal it. I'm reconciling with it. And I think that we need to be okay with stuff like that when we're giving specific things more time than we used to. Because uh, I feel incredibly lighter the more I get this out here and I tell the story and <clears throat> let other people tell their stories. And I'll continue to talk about all these other things and church and cult and or call to cult if you want to. We'll be a part of this conversation. And, you know, I, I think that talking about being in toxic systems, I think, transcends sort of church and God, because all of us have probably been a part of something that was not good for us and damaged us in some way, and and we need to kind of talk about it and see through it, whether it's a job or uh, a sports team, friend group, any of this stuff. So... So yeah, so I'm going to talk about another area 
about the church that was besides besides dating sex women this, these two things were probably the hardest for me to sort of heal and reconcile with and that was sort of our church's approach to to money and time and i want to let you guys know that you know in the beginning i started thinking that you know my story in this book that i'm writing would be some called something like this can't all be bullshit and and right now i don't know if i'm going to keep it that title and so these episodes are kind of working titles i mean this is essentially a working title of the chapter of a future book and things like that but uh the the thought that kind of keeps permeating with regards to this this whole thing I'm doing is this idea that this was supposed to be the place and reconciling with it wasn't. So the title, and if you're looking for the stories and these going back into the episodes, it's, it's titled. So this was supposed to be the place. And then it'll have what I'm specifically talking about. So money and time. Now I'll start with money, you know, Giving to a church is nothing new, right? Every church you go to passes an offering plate. It's just a part of church. Church is is this... For a church to run, it needs money, and it gets money by people giving, right? People give money out of the goodness of their heart, and that keeps the lights on, that hopefully gets food on the preacher's plate, and a house over their head so they can continue serving, you know, and people feel called to give, and, and, and it's it's something that, in essence, I think is a very beautiful thing, being called to give and giving in the hopes that, you know, this is an act of service, you know, and... and and it's biblical. You know, for us, and in the church, one of the, the passages that comes up that sort of how much we're supposed to give and, and things like that is in Malachi 3, where it talks about where this, um, the writer says, bring the full tenth in the storehouses so there may be food in my house. Test me in the way, says the Lord of hosts. See if I will not open the floodgates of heaven and pour out a blessing for you without measure. Now, Generally, when you were giving, you would give 10%. That, <clears throat> I think that, I've heard that in just in more than our churches. I've heard it about, but but you give 10%. And, you know, 10% isn't that big a deal, right? I mean, out of a dollar, it's 10 cents. You know, that doesn't seem like a lot. But, but in your giving, you're giving to God. And you hear that... In the back, la, the back of the pa- the last part of the passage, I'm sorry, is that he God is saying, "I will pour out a blessing for you without measure." So, in essence, what we're doing is we're giving in the hopes to receive. And in our church, giving of your money was a big deal. Um, when I I mean, I grew up watching the plates get passed. My dad would put in a check, or my mom would put in some money. Uh, sometimes, 
you know, I would have change and I would give. Um, and, you know, it was cool, I guess, as a kid. You just don't think about it as much. But, um, you know, for us, you know, as I got older and I saw more, you know, you would you would see, for instance, like I would see like my campus minister or, or whoever was leading the specific our group would, would be writing down how much we gave. Um, we would be on a list. I think there was a spreadsheet or something like that. And it would be tallied and recorded. Um, and then I remember when I was like, right before I was baptized... And I spoke about this in the studies, but I, I signed a document that that kind of told how much I was going to give on a weekly basis, um, which creeped me out um, a little bit. But I mean, I put something like two dollars. I mean, it was in college. I mean, two dollars was a lot. But I remember I was like, "Yeah, I'll give two dollars. That seems fine." But then you start. And so, so there, and, and like with my head and as I've gotten older, I can see that like churches ask for people to pledge and then these people will write what they're going to give and churches make their budgets off of this. And like in my head, it was kind of like, okay, I get it. That's fine. But it was like. I don't know, just having it documented for me always made me feel uncomfortable that somebody was watching. And I did, I did, I would get talked to if I hadn't given, you know, in a while. And so it was, it, you know, you were always like thinking, and I always felt bad. I mean, I was in college and, and teens, I didn't have much money, and sometimes I didn't want to give. Sometimes I was like, this, this is tough. I want to eat before church. Uh, I'm going to give this $2. I hope God's okay with it. But it was this pressure that you felt that's what became so toxic. And I think a lot of churches have this, they put this pressure on its members. We were were no different than that. And, you know, you can look up, I mean, there's prosperity gospels where people give because if you give, you're going to get something way better or way more back, stuff like that. And, and it becomes, what I'm seeing is it becomes sort of a manipulation tactic. And it's really, <clears throat> it's hard to unsee it once I've seen it. And it's hard to let go of it once you've been hurt. But I mean, it was, it was a, it's a big deal. And we use you're manipulated and they use the Bible a lot, especially for us. I remember they would use the story of Cain and Abel. For those of you that don't know, Cain and Abel are the kids of Adam and Eve, the first in the, in the garden of Geth or not the garden of Gethsemane. That's a totally different thing in the garden of Eden. Sorry guys. Um, <clears throat> but you know, you're supposed to bring, a portion as an offering to God. And so Cain Cain worked in the fields and then Abel kept the flocks. 
Now, they were supposed to bring an offering. And so Abel brought the fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. And the Lord looked on favor, looked with favor on Abel and his offering. Now, Cain, he did not look with favor. And so Cain was angry and downcast. And, and to sort of finish up the story, it goes into where Cain eventually kills his brother. He's mad that God didn't like his offering. And then Cain is cast out, and there's all these curses that are laid down onto him and things like that. But uh, how they would use that is is we were supposed to give the first, the best of God. God doesn't want whatever we can give. He wants it to be the best. And they would use that a lot with money. And you would be thinking, I would be constantly struggling with this idea of giving because if I'm not giving, then the Lord isn't going to find favor on me. I mean, that's it's it's crazy, right? Because you can see that the giving wasn't coming from your heart, but this idea of not getting in trouble. And so for us, also what used to happen and, and that, that kind of kept sort of perpetuating this cycle of giving that was hard for us um, was we would have a special contribution every year. And so this was supposed to go to missions and work and the church and all this stuff and some kind of trying to find a building, which was funny because we never had a building in church. We would always be renting hotels and things like that. But this special contribution, there was an expectation, and I'm going to use expectation because that's how it was. That's how it was. I mean, I heard it. And it was an expectation that you were to give whatever it was that you usually give. You were supposed to try to get 20% more. And, I mean, that's, you know, you, you that becomes a bigger chunk of change. Now, there was something cool that I liked seeing, which, seeing in this, which was like, <laughs> during this time leading up to it, I remember my parents would, I mean, gosh, we would be constantly organizing uh, car washes. We would be going to all these places. I used to, I used to hate the springtime because of this, because it felt like every other weekend I was like having to do a car wash with my parents. Um, and what we would do is we would just, you know, we would, uh, we would hold car washes and ask for donations. And people said, it'd be like, you know, we're giving special missions contribution. And so thank you for this. You know, you're, you're helping the church and stuff like that. And, and that's pretty cool, right? Because you're going out and you're getting money and, and you're giving it to a church. It's like it's not from you specifically, but but you're doing it and you're helping. And and there's there's kind of a beauty in that. And some kids would hold like remember kids would hold like bake sales and lemonade stands. You would hear about this all the time. Like little little Timmy and and Sarah, they raised forty seven dollars from their bake sale. They're giving it to the Lord. What faith! Yay! You know and. And stuff like that. And so so for me, like growing up and as a kid, like I'm seeing like 
I'm seeing like us doing things to get money. And I was tired, but I was like, okay, I get it. And it didn't feel like it was necessarily coming um, from us as it was just other people. We were getting money from other people to give to the church. So I thought that was pretty cool. And then every and then every Sunday when it was Special Mission Sunday, we would have a big to-do and everybody would put their big checks and stuff like that. And it, I remember this one... This one time, they uh, they wanted to have like all the kids in the church come up and and give whatever they had to throw it into the big box. And I think they said it was like an altar or something. But uh, I remember they lined us all up, the kids ministry or whatever, and we're uh. <laughs> We're supposed to walk across the stage, drop our money in, and the line was long because I mean our church had, at the time, like three or four thousand members. So that's a lot of kids, and I remember my mom had given me and my brothers, you know, some money, and I had like a bag of change because I mean we we didn't have a lot as a kid or as growing up, and I remember uh, as we were waiting, I asked to go to the bathroom, and. <laughs> Man, I felt like shit doing this. But uh, I took like a bunch of the quarters that were in the bag and I put it in my pocket. And <laughs> I, you know, came back and, and I hid the money. Because um, I, I don't know, you know, you're a kid, you have this money in your, your hands, you want something, you know. It was funny. And so then I went, you know, went on stage, did my thing, threw it in there and walked off. And, you know, I had this, you know, you had this feeling that, oh, God, everybody knows or, or oh, God saw that, blah, blah, blah. But I just remember being like, no, we need some money. I want a Coke or I want something. And so, so yeah, so that's what we do. And every, every, every April, I think it was. We had our special missions contribution. Now, it started to get weird for me as I got older. And this is where it kind of got, became toxic for me. Because um, growing up, my parents, you know, my dad was a teacher, a school teacher. My mom worked when she could. So we didn't have a lot of money. And, but we were always giving to this church. and it, And it started to bother me because I always felt like, we were living paycheck to paycheck and we're giving all this money and I didn't see a blessing coming and I didn't see what they were telling me we were supposed to see from giving. And then it got really worse. One, one special contribution time when we were, I think it was like maybe 14 or 15 um, my parents sat us down at the dinner table and to talk to us about something. And so we all went down and we, we sat and, and then my dad takes like all this money out of a bag. He said, this is about $5,000 and he lays it on the table and starts asking us what we would do with this money. Like, if this money was for us, what would we do? And 
you know, we went around and I was like, oh yeah, this is cool. Yeah. I'd love to get some new rollerblades. I think I said, yeah, I said rollerblades cause I was rollerblading a lot at the time. Um, <laughs> you know, my brother said some things and, you know, I was like, you know, we could like get a new TV or something cause we had a, you know, a whatever TV we could find. And then my dad goes, well, we're going to give all this money to the church. And we believe that this is the right thing to do. And I remember being like floored because the first thing I did when he said that is I looked around the house. And so we lived in a house that was called a HUD home. Now HUD come HUD home comes from, it's the department of housing and urban development. And basically it is a home where it's it's kind of like gov- government subsidies and it's it's like houses that I guess the government owned and they were using it for people who were like strapped for cash it's easier um requires lower down payment um things like that now so like I knew and my dad would t- told us that we bought the house. This was a HUD home or whatever. And, you know, and I was like, I mean, we live in this house and it's fine. But, you know, you start looking around and I see a kitchen that, you know, we, we have a really old fridge and like we have a deck that no one really wants to walk on because it's broken. And I look out at my our cars and I'm seeing like these cars that were fine. They worked. But like, <laughs> God, I used to hate having our cars. My dad loved going to police auctions to get cars or or finding these good deals on cars that would last like two years or whatever. And I'm just like, what in the world? This is so stupid. I mean, even our freaking TV is on damn, like just a chair doesn't even have like an entertainment center or crap like that. And I was like, we're giving all of this to the church. And I mean, yeah, I wanted rollerblades, but I did want a better house. (laughs) I wanted a little bit of nicer things. I didn't want us to feel, I mean, everything for us, if I were to like sum up what it was like with regards to money in my family, it was, it was stress and pressure. We were my, I saw it all the time with my parents trying to make it work, trying to find money, trying to have enough, trying to make it to the next month. Um, I mean, Christmases were hard. I mean, you just knew that you weren't going to get what you wanted, everything that you wanted. Like, that was our life. And here we are giving this huge chunk of change to a church. And and I was like, where? It doesn't make sense to me. And then I find out that my dad, my dad had been a music major, and he's... His, when he went to college, my grandparents got a bassoon made for him because he was majoring in the bassoon. And, I mean, those are those are expensive instruments because it's all wood. I mean, yeah, you know, guitars are expensive. To make a musical instrument is, is expensive. But, but I remember that he sold it. He had sold his bassoon to give to the church. And I was like, like, what? What? And then you, you know, you just like, you don't get it. And I just, cause I was like, is this really our life? It, where's the blessing? That's what I keep saying. Where's the blessing? 
And, you know, I would say that sometimes and I would to people and I would tell them how I'm struggling with all this giving. And they would always use the Bible to, to just make it sound like you're being prideful. You don't understand. You're storing. It's like they would use the passage in Matthew, like, don't store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, store up treasures in heaven. And so we're constantly thinking about the future. And I was like, that's great and all, but like, like we can barely make it month to month. <laughs> like, does God really want us to do that? And... There were lots of people that you hear doing stuff like this in our church of the giving. People that would like take out loans off the equity of their home and give it all to their church. Because you just felt like you had to, right? And then you were just constantly being manipulated. And this happens all the time in churches. There was a church here in Virginia Beach that I heard about a few years ago where this realtor was... was embezzling money to give because if the more you gave to the church the higher level you were in the church and preachers are really good at tugging on our heartstrings because all of us if we're in a church i don't want to say if just if we're in a church but all of us essentially kind of wanted they we want to do what's right and if a preacher is saying, this is what God wants you to do, and this is how you're supposed to get to heaven, then of course you want to do it. And it's just, it's just so, it just, I guess it you can see that when the money starts coming in, I think anybody would have a hard time doing what's right when there's thousands and thousands of dollars. You know, I don't think it's it's a stretch to think that people struggle with that. I mean, our church, one of the reasons we fell apart was because of how the money was being handled, how people were, were using it, and they weren't using it the right way. It's a tale as old as time. <laughs> Preachers can't be trusted with money, you know? What? <laughs> but that was something that it was just, it was... I mean, it, they laid it on thick. Give, 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 give. And if you don't give, we'll find out and God sees. You know? That's a shitty thing to deal with when you're a kid or a person struggling. And I don't know. I've forgiven my parents. And I, and I know that, like I said before, it's all about them just get you you're they're trying to do what's right what they think is right and i think giving is okay i think giving is great seeing people in need there's a need to give giving to a church program where they're using the money to to give to people that are you know less fortunate i mean is awesome you know churches provide sanctuary for so many people that need it you know But then people get a taste. They get a taste of that good life, and they just start to use it. And it's a shitty thing. Because you're manipulating people, and you're tugging on their heart and their soul. And it's so much more damaging. Because people have a hard time coming back for that. And it's interesting. I think social media really... (laughs) 
really shows this a lot. There's a lot of people that are, you know, I, I think I'm becoming less jaded, but I definitely was jaded. But you can see there's a lot of jaded people out there on social media, and they share when they notice things like this. I think when, I think when you could tell that a preacher is probably manipulating more, um, look at the clothes they're wearing, <laughs> look at the car they're driving. It's interesting how churches get bigger. The uh, preacher's houses get bigger and, and cars get bigger as well. And, you know, I could see that as well from our church. Um, it was hard to see because we never met in a building. So you wouldn't necessarily be like rolling up to the church and seeing the preacher in, his, in their office or whatever. But, uh, but yeah, like there's a, you can follow things like preacher sneakers or, um, <laughs> or um, there's one about watches too. Uh, it, it's two different people, but Preacher Sneakers is this guy that like takes pictures of mega church pastors and he, uh, finds the sh- looks at the shoes they're wearing and then pulls up their their price and shows it. And Preacher Watches does the same thing. Um, and so it's you know. It's just us giving of the money. I mean, it's tough because you want to believe you're doing it for the right thing uh, and you're giving it to things. And and maybe we could have done it differently. Maybe people could do it differently by having specific places and knowing where your money's going. You know, if you, you know, if you feel called to the homeless or, or, or that, knowing that you're giving you know, you can like, Hey, I'm giving this for that. And you can see that it goes into that fund or, or this fund, or, you know, I can see the building. I know that it's important. We're growing and we need to be bigger. I believe in that. And so here's that. And you can be like more transparent. And there's the church that I go to. Um, now I, I see a lot of areas where you can give and it's not so specifically about money, but it, it you can see that it's being, done differently and whenever I'm at the service and it gets to this point they're always like if you feel called to give you know and and there's never this like in the, in the time that I've been there it's never this feeling like it was at our other church you know it's like if you feel called we'd love to you know we need it we you know we run because people give you know we're able to run and uh, and I appreciate that, and I appreciate how it just doesn't feel, you know, shoved down our throats. And the other part about church that was, you could just, that felt <laughs> manipulated or, or really just uh, back to like, I think of the idea of priorities. And your priority number one being something was with time, uh, your use of time, and how much time that you're giving to the church. Now, growing up, I think as a kid, I felt that our weekends were always not weekends, our week was just filled with a church activity or a meeting, or a hangout, or a cookout with with church people, and, or church 
function. And there was this, it just, it felt like every time we were getting into the car, we were going to something church related. And the use of our time or how much time that we gave to the church, I mean, it was a lot. And, and you would hear that this was, you kind of had to be going to these things. And nowadays with churches, you know, you're in and out in 45 minutes, right? Or 45 minutes to an hour, you know. But for us, it was radically different, radically different. Um, and I kind of want to give you sort of a weekly example or an example of a week in the life of someone in church. Now, I'll start with Sunday. Now, <clears throat> Sunday was the Lord's Day, so you were going to church on Sunday. And our church service, I mean, it usually ran about two hours. There was um, songs. We did our church did communion every um, every Sunday, and so that was like thirty minutes. And then you would have a preacher. The preacher would would speak, or we called them evangelists. The evangelist would speak, and um, for about thirty to forty minutes, and so it usually run about two hours. Yeah. But then there was always something after church, or always, most days there was something after church. Um, maybe it was my for my parents, they might have had meetings they had to go to. Um, and if you, for me in the teen ministry, when I was um, studying the Bible and stuff like that, you would have an afternoon teen service that would just be specifically the teens where you would... Um, all the teens from Atlanta would meet in some place and it was, you know, usually something specific topic or things like that. Just kind of teens being able to get together and, you know, worship. Um, and that's, you know, that's, un it's not uncommon for church, like for two services. Sometimes they'll like some churches will have like a Sunday morning and then a Sunday school. Uh, but for me, and then for me, it was, uh, it was different. You know, you would, I just remember thinking like I'd leave the house at like eight 30 in the morning, or if it was a morning that my dad had to help set up risers for the choir that I would be getting up at like seven 30 and then you wouldn't be home till like five some Sundays. I mean, that's a lot. And then it got tough for me because, you know, I had to work. And so I would get right from church and then like have to go to work. And so that was always tough, but yeah, so your Sunday was a big day. Now, Monday and Tuesday, you know, if you were in campus, uh, the campus ministry, or even as adults, you would have a Bible talk and a Bible talk was, you know, you would get together and meet somewhere on campus. Or if it was an adult with the adults, somebody's house, and you would have a small sort of you know, topic specific church service, you know, it probably wouldn't run maybe more than 45 minutes or an hour. But you, you know, the, the thing with Bible talks was that was your way of sort of like getting, meeting people at church, getting them to come to a Bible talk in the hopes that you would get them to study and then they would become a member. Uh, but, uh, but there was that. And then 
Wednesday, you would have another church service. We called it the midweek devotional. Um, and with that one, it was it was usually not quite two hours, but you still had singing and you know a message, and it was usually more like specific to something uh, in, in campus, like a lot of times the guys and the girls would separate and then we would have some kind of message. And usually if we were, if we were separating, I, I, I usually could tell we were going to talk about masturbation or why we should be taking our sisters on dates and stuff like that or, or something. But yeah, so you had a Wednesday and then Thursday, there wasn't much you know, there might have a Bible talk, uh, but there was this general idea that you would be studying the Bible with people, and so you needed to be like, or hanging out with people, being around each other. There's a scripture in Acts or where they said the disciples met together daily. And uh, so, yeah, it was like a Thursday was, you know, you would you would have something. And then Friday, we would have another <laughs> devotional. Uh, I know that we've three devotionals in a week. What? And it was usually like an activity or we'd have guest speakers, but it was another kind of like chance for us to be together. Sometimes when I was in the campus ministry, you would be separate into your specific campus. Like what I mean by that is like Georgia state, their group would meet together and then Kennesaw state would meet together and, all the different colleges in Atlanta would just meet in their specific groups. And then you would usually go to like, I remember for us, it was a big deal to go to this pizza place after church and hang out. So there was that. <clears throat> and then Saturday, that was the big show. <laughs> what I mean by that is the date night. So you were expected to um, <laughs> be taking your sisters out on dates. Um and so there would be a lot of prep for that. And then the hang, you know, the, the actual date. So, oh, I'm tired talking about my schedule. I know you're tired listening to it, probably. But it was, it was, it was an expectation that you were doing these things. And it was, and then one question you might be asking is like, well, where, when did people work? When did people go to school, their classes? When did people like have a life? Uh, the correct answer is, uh, I mean, we tried. <laughs> You know, for me, time, you know, time was tough because I, I had to work like I, my parents couldn't pay for college. So like, I mean, I had a job, you know, since I was 16 and I never got to go to as many of these things as people said, and people would talk to me about it and all this stuff. And I was like, you know, I've, I've got to work. Like I need to, you know, I need to be there. And I, you know, I, I didn't get to go to a lot of campus Bible talks because I would, I would smash my classes onto like specific days so that I could have more time to work. And, you know, you're missing out on that. And I mean, I didn't go on as many dates as other people other guys because I needed to work but uh I also didn't like how we had to date and I just kind of used it as an excuse but don't tell anybody but you just started I started to feel like I was always in my car either going to going to something 
church related or going to work. And there was this expectation that your priority was the church. Just like the priority of the giving to the church was important, your priority of, of being at church functions was number one. It was paramount. You know, you would be after church, you'd find people to go to lunch with. Um, before church, you would be like hanging out and driving together. On days, you would be hanging out. And I, and I do want to take a little side note because I was talking about this with a friend of mine who, I mean, I'm dear friends with, and we were just talking about how, like, we were just so surrounded by each other that, like, a lot of, we had a lot of time together that kind of, like, helped grow this this cool friendship because you're just surrounded by each other. You got really close. And that was a good thing when I found it. When I found a few guys, you know, you were just always going to be around them, always going to be seeing them and you were able to foster great friendships and that was cool you know but like i said it was coming from the heart it just was happening naturally and that was cool wasn't like forced upon i mean it was but like when it's forced upon upon you church always feels like an expectation these things always feel like you need to do it and and there would be scripture after scripture that would be used of like god needs you at these things we're 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 worshiping the lord and spreading the good news and 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 all of that stuff we're saving the world and it got hard it got really hard and and you know i think i got to fly under the radar a lot because like i said i had to work in school and so when when people would ask, i don't think people asked a lot because because i was living at home that's what i was gonna say and um, people knew my parents were part of the church, so they kind of didn't really give. They knew that, like, my dad and my mom were watching. Because I think what I started to see is that there was this feeling of you had to be around everybody. This is how it works. You don't want to go outside the church. This needs to be your first priority. And, and when I really started to see this as a toxic thing, was um, the day that I skipped a midweek. Oh, my gosh. So, <laughs> I loved, I still love, Dave Matthews Band was is and probably will always be one of my favorite bands. It was my first concert I ever went to. I played the saxophone in high school and loved the music. I loved the band. They were great. They still are. I don't care. If I lose street cred with people. Dave Matthews Band is a great band. And one year, they were coming to Atlanta, and they were coming on a Wednesday. Now, I know what you're thinking. Uh-oh, Roy, it's a Wednesday. <clears throat> but I didn't think much, uh, you know, I didn't think much of it. You know, Wednesday was a, a, a midweek, but I was like, I don't know, like... I think it'll be okay. And and I th- and I had found what made it even better is I had found like sixth row seats and I was super psyched. So so I got I bought the tickets. Now, I went with my friend who was um who was a part of the church at the time. And then I went with another friend who was 
he was this guy that my dad had met when he was 18. He became kind of like my older brother. He was a part of the church too, just not in the, the campus ministry. But uh, we were going to go and we we're going to this concert. It was going to be great. And so I knew I was going to miss a midweek, but I was like, it'll be okay. I probably should give my contribution. So before the show, I drove to my buddy's house who was going to go to the church. He didn't go to the concert. And I gave him my contribution check. I'm doing, trying to do the right thing, guys. And then I went to the concert. And it was cool. It was great. It was awesome. Until I got a phone call. And on my call was this one guy who was a part of my campus ministry. And he was like, hey, you okay? And I was like, yeah, man, I'm fine. I'm just, I'm at the Dave Matthews Band concert, you know. And he was like, okay, we just didn't know where you were. And (laughs) I was like, all right. And I could tell that he was like, oh, he went to a concert. That's not good. But anyway, I hung up or whatever. And then I got another call and I ignored it because the band, the, the opening band was playing. And I think I got another call too. So I look down and I see there's two missed calls and I'm like, what the heck? And then, um, I, I listened to voicemail and it was another guy that was like, Hey, we're just wondering where you are, man. Hope everything's good. Um, you know, it's midweek brother, something like that. And I was like, geez, this is wild. And then I get another phone call <laughs> from another guy. A different guy. So these are four different people that called. Four. And this and this guy was in the campus ministry, but he went to a different college, so he was in a different ministry. And I don't know why, why this, this guy called. In my head, this is what I think happened. Uh, the first guy called seeing where I was, and then I said I was at a concert. And so then alarms went off. He gives it to the guy above, kind of like in the military where you send it up to the person in command. Oh, my gosh. Roy's at a concert. Uh, he's probably falling away. He's probably going to quit church. What do we do? All right, I'm going to call. So then that guy calls. I don't pick up. He sends it to his supervisor, that other campus minister. Oh, my gosh. Roy's at a concert. We've tried to call twice. I don't think we don't know what's wrong with him. But, oh, my gosh, we're freaking out now. And the guy says, don't worry. I'll call and I'll get him. So then when I don't pick up that one, he's like, oh, we got to call the big guns. Let's get this guy. So then this guy (laughs) gets on the phone. I pick up because I didn't recognize the number. And he's like, hey, man, heard you're at a concert. And I was like, yeah. And he was like, "Uh, you know, it's midweek. I was like, yeah, I know. I gave my contribution to somebody. It's a Dave Matthews band at sixth row or whatever. And he... (laughs) He goes, and and it got kind of heated where he was like, you know, you know, why don't you do this? Why don't you leave the the concert, come outside the concert, and I'll pick you up and we'll go to church. And I was like, nah, man, I'm not gonna do that. And then I I kind of hung up on him, and I was like, what in the world? Like, why is this such a big deal? I'm just missing a service. I'm missing a thing. It's not even, like, that important of a a service. There was no, like, special thing going on. I was like, I'm with two people from, from church. Like, I'm not doing anything wrong. But uh, 
man, when I got to church on that, I think it was a Friday, the Friday service, they were waiting for me. And they laid into me about going to this concert on a Wednesday. (laughs) And it made me feel like such shit. And they would say things like, you know, we're supposed to be giving our first to God. We need to be at church. You're not being careful. You know, it could happen at concerts and all these things. And, and they, I mean, they were just losing their minds over the fact that I went to a concert instead of a midweek. And I hadn't really missed anything, really, besides things that I had to work. And they were like, you know, you're not giving your, your all to God. We're just worried for you and stuff like this. And I was just like, what? And so for me, like what I did that was toxic and because of growing up in it, I just kind of believed them and started to think like, yeah, they're right. I'm a shitty person for going to a Dave Matthews band concert on a Wednesday and not, you know, I need to, I need to try to, I don't need to do this anymore. And, uh, they're right. I'm wrong. And I internalized it and in turn made me feel like shit. And I'm dealing with it now. And, you know, looking back, there's a lot of things I wish I would have said, you know, because really what was, what was going to happen? Are they that concerned for me that like, I'm going to go to Dave Matthews band concert and like do a bunch of drugs and have sex. I don't know what it was, but like, you just there was an expectation that you 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 can miss anything else in the world but don't miss church. Don't miss any of the things and you're looking like and I mean don't miss any of the things unless there is a really 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 good excuse. Probably death. Then okay. Maybe. And it just kind of and, and you just it just wore me out. It wore me out and I didn't know I was so worn out. And it's to the point where there's like even, I think that's one of the reasons why I can't stand having so many things scheduled. Uh, because it just, you're just like, man. And I remember, I remember like having this feeling of freedom when I left finally. And I was like, I have so much time now. <laughs> like I have... I can do whatever I want. You know, it's a it's a it's a Wednesday. Oh, I could I could go to a movie. I could I could see a friend. I could do whatever I wanted. And I think like there was a fear and there's probably a, a manipulation. So manipulation I think was at the heart of it, whether people knew it or not. Um that the more that people are around this specific thing, the less they're going to think about what's outside. You know, it's like that movie, The Village, where they fabricate this town where you think it's the, I don't know, 1600s, 1700s, and it's really just these people that are trying to shelter their families from the world, and they, they put these, you know fictional creatures in in the woods to make people like not go outside 
I mean, it's it is it's a tactic that's very effective because you know I, I I wasn't like getting it just be what I wasn't getting was input from the world or anything outside the church. I mean, I was just constantly around people. So I was talking to the people. I was listening to people that were part of the church. I was engaging with people part of the church. The conversations were all like this one side. It was this echo chamber. And, you know, of course, if we were to look out, we would see that it like it there just like in the village, there's not the big scary monsters. There wasn't the big scary monsters outside the church. I didn't find them. I mean, yeah, there's shitty people and things happen, but but like if you're trying to sell this is the only way, you've got to keep people, you know, you got to keep people looking at you, you know, don't look outside. No, don't look, don't pay any attention to the man behind the, the curtain. And and so it just it it's hard to to reconcile with how much time I gave and how much money my parents gave and and I was giving to this system that was supposed to be the place you know how much money went to people and just just was used for whatever they wanted to and how much pressure that I felt you know that that when something was going wrong i was afraid i was going to miss a church and i didn't want to get in trouble a service you know how many birthdays how many you know soccer events or or sporting events that i could have gone to as a kid like we didn't my parents and i i don't remember joining leagues if they had games on Sunday or practices on Wednesday. Like I never was allowed to do those things as a kid because you don't miss church. That was something I can't believe I forgot about that until now. But yeah, you just, we, we, we didn't do things that were, that came in the way of it, you know, and there's one thing to, to, to make something that like this, a priority in your life, right? There's one thing where it's like this fills me with so much freedom and joy that I want to be a part of all of these things. And I want to be around this and talk about this and share this with people and go to every event because I love it so much. You know, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. But what's so hurtful is when it's this expectation that the only way to do it is this way. My way. Don't listen to anybody else. They're going to steer you away from this. Trust me. You know? It's like they did it with, with don't date a girl in the, that doesn't go to our church. She'll steer you away from the Lord. She's a Jezebel. But it was manipulation. Manipulations of our heart and our souls to take our time and take our money that we can't get back. And so, yeah, there we go. Time and money given to something that was supposed to be the place. Well, thank you guys for listening and tuning in. Remember, I'm just the channel. I'm not the source. Until next time.